This is the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. I'm Colin. I'm Zach. And I'm JJ. And today we're going to be talking about Gorgo. I'm, can I just start off by saying real quick, because I meant to tell you guys this earlier, but I forgot. I hate those stupid king and queen shirts that couples wear. Yes. And I was I was in Walmart the other day, and I saw this guy wearing a Godzilla shirt. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I looked at it really close, and it said king under it. And I said, I know wherever his girlfriend is, she's going to have one that says Mothra. It has Mothra on it, and it says queen. And sure enough, like she walked around the corner and she had a shirt on it with Mothra and it said Queen. Damn it. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why people are like, oh, it's it's not a ship. They're not. I don't. (laughs) I'll I'll let the, let the fans make their, make their art or whatever. As long as it's not like the X rated shit that I see every time I go to DeviantArt. Or that horror. That horrible fan fiction I once sent you, Zach, if you remember that. I re- he'd, remember. He'd, he'd probably rather not remember it. I would rather, I would rather not remember, but I remember. <laughs> but anyway, we'll go ahead and get right into it. Today, we're talking about the 1961 film Gorgo, uh, which is probably one of the better Godzilla ripoff movies that came out in the 50s, 60s, I would say. British Godzilla ripoff. British Godzilla. Well, it was okay. It was actually, I learned, a co-production between the U.S., U.K., and Ireland. Ah. Wow. And this was also distributed by uh, Metro uh, Goldwyn Mayer. Really? In the U.S.? Yes. In the U.S. and and, uh, the U.K., it was uh, distributed by the British Lion Columbia. British Lion Columbia LTD. So I guess that's their equivalent to. Okay. But anyway, yeah. Um, hot off the heels of of like all the monster movies that came out in the the fifties, um, people just kept doing that. Just different film companies, uh, whether it's Japanese or otherwise, because you know you had like uh like uh, X from Outer Space and. Uh, Gamera was one of the only ones that really stuck around, like Yon Gary and a lot of those films. But this one, I've got to say, I was I was pleasantly surprised with. It's got its problems, but it was actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, I got to say so as well. I mean, I, I was... I had kind of low expectations. I've seen this movie once prior to watching it just recently, probably about 13, 15 years ago. Um, and I really couldn't remember much other than the very baseline plot. So watching this and, and actually being surprised and overall enjoying it was was pretty good. But anyway, this film uh, was directed by Eugene Laurie, who we're eventually going to talk about again. Uh, he's directed a few other monster movies. Uh, he really he directed uh, 1953's The Beast of 20,000 Fathoms, as well as uh, The Giant Behemoth and Colossus of New York. Is another one uh, that he directed, but we'll we'll talk about some more of his films again. 
This was released March 29th of 1961 in the U.S. and October 27th of 1961 in the U.K. And like I said, it was a co-production between the U.S., U.K., and Ireland, which really made for a kind of a strange cast. Because I couldn't tell like whether or not some of these characters were actually supposed to be British or not. Because your, your two main characters, uh, Sam Slade and Joe Ryan, kind of sound British, but kind of not. I don't know if the, the people that played as each of them, respectively, are uh, American or British or, or what. But I just thought it was kind of strange. Yeah, I didn't really notice their accents. All that. Well, it popped out on occasion, but didn't really notice all that much. I'm sure, in a, again, like a 1960s sci-fi film, they probably weren't thinking about it all too much. Yeah, probably not. Probably not, I'd say. Because I noticed that the two the two main guys there, um, their names are Ryan and, and Slade there. Um, definitely much like American entrepreneurs, treasure hunters. Well, they're treasure hunters. That's... For sure. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we can go ahead and hit the plot. Not really too much in the way of, of uh, information about this movie. But it this movie, I'm not really sure as to the, the legality of it. But um, it is on YouTube right now. You can just watch it on YouTube. Just look up Gorgo. There's also a little documentary about the making of Gorgo. I'll try to, to get some links to both of those somewhere, although you can just look them up on YouTube. It's not really in the greatest quality, but oh well. It's watchable. Yeah, it is. It's that right. could be worse. It could be at like 144p. But anyway, we'll go ahead and jump right into the plot. Um, it starts out with these your two main characters, uh, Sam Slade and Joe Ryan, and they're treasure hunters that are uh, looking for treasure off the coast of uh, Narna Island, I believe is what it's called. Yeah, Nara Island. Which is not real. <laughs> mm. Of course it isn't. Um, I think most of this was shot in Ireland. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. But they're out there searching for treasure on this big ship, and they have a, like a whole crew of people. It's like a, not really a salvage company, but I guess, I guess yeah, a... Um, they're treasure hunters, and they're trying to, to get everybody back on the their diver back on the ship uh, to leave because it's getting the weather's getting really bad, and then a volcano erupts in the ocean. That was the only one thing I wasn't like super clear about. It was a volcanic eruption. Yeah, um, yeah, just some random uh, underwater volcano off the off the coast of Nara Island because. Movie logic. Yeah. <laughs> but it erupts and this bad storm happens and it, it damages their boat and they have to uh, uh, just kind of settle uh, near the coast. And they go ashore to meet the harbor master who is this guy named uh, McCartan, I believe is what his name is. And uh, all the, the locals are not friendly and uh, he tells them they can't stay there. He, he's very strict on the fact that, like, they don't allow ships to stay there X they need amount a of time. Permit. Yeah, they need a permit that he won't give them. 
and uh, I don't remember how it happened. Did they? Did, was it the little boy uh, let them in and showed them all their treasure? And they're like, "Oh, well, that's why this guy doesn't want us here. He's also getting treasure out of the water." Yeah, the little little or- yeah, little orphan boy there, Sean. Yeah, he uh, invites them in while McCartan's not home, and he shows them. He's like, "You want to see all this treasure that McCartan has?" And it's just like this shit ton of like valuable treasure. Yeah, because he, he's like, oh, yeah, he's an archaeologist. Look, and it's just treasure hunting. So he has his own, like, crew of guys that go out and dive for treasure. And uh, I can't remember exactly what happens. He tells them they're not allowed to dive out there or something. But, of course, they do it anyway while they're trying to repair their ship. No, he's just like, you can only stay 24 hours without a permit. Whether. Like, he's obviously making it up. And uh, but I, I can't remember exactly what happens between that point in the movie and where they're they're working on their ship and they they see the diver disappears. Was it they were just looking for a diver that they, that never surfaced? No. So our, our our main characters, I would most certainly not call them heroes, uh, are just on their way back to the ship and they see everyone else out in the water with torches looking for the divers. So one of the other divers, he never surfaced, so they're looking for him. And he finally, uh, he comes back up, and they get him in the boat, and he dies. And he's just like, he, he must have died of fright. Of fright. Don't uh, really know how fright. they came to that conclusion, but just... Sur- surprise death by fright. It was too spoopy for me, is what essentially happened. Yeah. He got spooked. But uh, they uh, go back to their ship and uh is it after that or did they go back and see McCartan again I can't remember I I think they went well they went back to the ship and then uh Sean comes aboard and is like oh yeah he's he's full of shit there's no permit so then they go back ashore and that's when the monster shows up and this monster's like 60 feet tall, I think. Yeah, it, it's kind of scaled down. I can't remember. I'm sure you could probably find that on the internet somewhere. Well, no, I think they said it in the in the movie at one point that it was like 65 <laughs> feet tall or something. But anyway, yeah, this monster is very scaled down. Uh, if I had to, to make use a um, comparison for it, it's, it's very much like... Um, like Frankenstein conquers the world where it's, it's just, it's very scaled down. The monsters are still big, but they're not as big. So it makes it more personal. Uh, but the monster, it makes landfall and, uh, they throw flaming wood at it, which doesn't really seem that plausible that you can just run it off by throwing pieces of flaming board at it. I mean, it does seem to really hate fire as a scene later on the movie establishes. Yeah. I, okay, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but like when the monster first peers its head out the water, someone throws like a spear at at the creature's head, at, at Gorgo's head, right? Yeah, yeah. Some, and then it like on the sti- boat. it sticks into his head, okay? And like he comes out, does this whole thing. When Gorgo's head goes back into the water, I swear they just repeat the scene of him coming up because you want if you watch the spear like just kind of goes away like at the very end. I'm pretty sure it's the same shot, just in reverse. They reused a lot of footage in this movie, especially because there's there's a shot at the end of it, uh, 
where it's the attack on London where the monster is just like getting shot by the same two rockets over and over again. <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But uh, McCartan uh, is talking to Sam and Joe afterward and he says, uh, could you ca- possibly capture this thing or kill it or whatever? And they said, yeah, we'll do it. For compensation. And, yeah, for compensation. So they essentially hold it over his head that they can probably kill it for some of his treasure. So they go in there, they clean his safe out, basically. Yeah. How and, they're going to uh, do this, no one really knows. And, like, even they don't know. They're like, eh, we could probably do it. Yeah, it's... We, we might... I think it was the fact that, okay, only they had a big enough ship... They had the biggest ship there because they do catch it in a net, don't they? Yes, they, yeah, they yes. catch it in a net. But and that's essentially what happens is they uh, put it's either Sam or Joe one get in this like weird like spherical like it's a really really tiny bathosphere. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. That's what it was. And they drop him down and they. Uh, start looking for it and they finally find it and it attacks him and th- there's certain like scenes in this movie that like you can it makes you feel kind of tense and this is one of them because like the monster attacks and then like there's just water like pouring into it into the into the bathosphere and uh, I thought it was pretty well done and th- but then they just drop a net on top of it and catch it and the and the crane is able just to haul him up like onto the ship. Movie logic. Yep. Uh, but then now they are in possession of this thing, and so I think that that's where they call the uh, the two professors. They call uh, Professor Flatterdy and Hendrix the two uh, the two guys. Uh, yeah, yes, Hendrix and Flatterty from uh, the University of Dublin. Dublin, that was what it was. And they, they want them to transport it to... The university to go study it. But of course, they're these two scumbag, like, cheapskates. So they get a hold of this guy, Dorkin, <laughs> and... Dorkin, I know. I Dorkin. Couldn't help, I couldn't help but laugh. And he looks like a guy named Dorkin that you would he, expect to be he named does. Dorkin. And uh, they... This guy is like, yeah, if you'll bring it here, like, I don't think he buys it from him. I think he just, like, gives him a cut of the funds or something. But he's like, we'll make it a circus attraction. That's basically what they did with it. They uh, decide to make it, a like, a sideshow attraction. So they, they tell these two professors, like, yeah, we'll meet you in Dublin. And they haul ass to London and uh, go parade this thing through the middle of town on a flatbed truck, like, transporting it to the circus. Yeah. And this whole time, the little boy, the little orphan boy that lived with uh, McCartan, he stowed away on the their ship, and he tried to release the monster on the way there, and it kills one of the guys. Yeah. It kills one of the crew members. And so now they have to watch this little boy. So he's just following them around and following around the monster. Uh, but they go and like make it this like enclosure 
type thing where it eventually doesn't it wake up early or something? Yeah, they what happens. They they wake it up because uh, one of the um like a photographer gets to take a picture with a flash on him and wakes up the monster which they dub Gorgo, and uh, it it starts running amok. But luckily they're able to to contain it with flamethrowers. But not before that really bad scene where he the guy gets whacked by its tail and it kills him. Yeah. I yep. think that was the first scene that I saw, and I was like, ooh, that was pretty bad. That was pretty rough. I, I got to say, I really liked the uh, the effects on them pouring Gorgo through the town. Like, that prop actually looked pretty good. And it was, it was to scale because they actually done that. They actually, early in the morning, just drove drove it through London. Yeah, which is which is pretty awesome. And like the eyes was like opening and moving. Like it actually looked, you know, pretty pretty well done. So you know, good on them for that one. And I think this movie had a fairly high budget for the time. I noticed that it's definitely on the higher end of like the budget because I'm surprised at like how much effort actually went into this. In some areas, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, in some areas. But I was expecting like. Worse quality than OG Godzilla King of the Monsters kind of going on here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, apparently this movie had a $650,000 budget. I'm not sure what the average uh, budget for a movie that at that point in time was. But uh, that was what the budget was. Or at least... At least on Wikipedia, which is what I'm looking at right now, that is a, the approximate budget course every note i don't need to say how reliable wikipedia can be at some sometimes right right of course but then there's the the opening day where all these people show up to come and see the monster and they're just you know sitting there raking in the money and uh I can't remember what exactly happens after that. That's where uh, the scientists, the two professors, call them, call them up, and are like, uh, "So we've, based on our studies, found out that this thing is not fully grown. It's not even close to fully grown." Yeah, it's an adolescent. And so they they roll out this map of like a size comparison between what the adult and the current monster could look like, and it's like the size difference is drastic. Like this thing is massive, and he's like, that means it may be almost two hundred fifty feet tall. Which, if you remember the 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 smaller one, the the current monster is only sixty feet tall. Something like that. I think that's something like that. Yeah, and they're like, "Uh, yeah that that probably doesn't mean anything, you know." And they just kind of brush it off because, like, this whole time the the two professors have been like, um, like talking to them about, you know, like trying to like make sure they're treating it decently and everything, even though this thing's already killed like three people. Yeah. Uh, and then it pans back to a shot of uh, Narna Island, and the adult surfaces and just wipes out the whole island. And what's one thing that I actually kind of thought was interesting is like the the sh- sh- there's so many shots of just people getting crushed by rock. 
Yes. Like everything's built out of rock and brick, so there's just people getting crushed everywhere. And like McCartan goes out out his front door and he screams and just gets crushed by a pile of bricks. And uh, I think the Admiral is trying to contact Narna Island and they, they couldn't get any word from the island. And then uh, he's like, oh my god, the whole island's been destroyed. So they deploy the military, which in these... The one complaint that I have about this movie is the 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 um stock footage is just atrocious sometimes. It's bad. I mean, that's that's probably the 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 probably one of the biggest scars I have with this movie, the stock footage. I mean, the the graininess of it. It's in different daytimes, nighttimes, and then also one of the shots or some of the shots where they're looking at some of the ships. There's like burning. On there, like there's like a bunch of like black spots like on the screen, and I don't even know what that is, but it's noticeable. So JJ, how accurate is the stock footage they used in comparison to the time period? Uh well, it is accurately jet aircraft, and by that point, basically everybody had moved on to jet aircraft. So yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. There is some kind of... I think there's a lot of inconsistencies when it comes to the actual military equipment. But, you know, can't get everything right, I suppose. Right. I, I was just wondering because, like, if it was like uh, this ship or this piece of artillery wouldn't have been used alongside this piece that it's also showed at this point in time, if that would have just been obsolete by then or what. No, I'm pretty sure most of it is period accurate with I think a couple of things just being make-believe like those missile launchers yeah those are just straight up fake I'm pretty certain yeah although uh, half of those planes shown were US planes I don't know why they're in England <laughs> were they really US planes yeah. I wasn't paying that much attention yeah I noticed that last night when I was watching it there's like half half of the planes launched are, are US planes they have like a U.S. markings. I think one of them says like U.S. like Air Force or like U.S. Navy, and I'm like, okay. That's what I was wondering is because this is a joint film, like a joint production, how that would have worked. I think that's one of the weird wonky things about that, but it doesn't really take away or add too much of that. The stock footage itself is not good, and the the just period, the like long shots of like like the sh- the it'll show like a guy looking through binoculars, then it'll show like a plane take off. Then it'll show a plane land. Then it'll show the same plane take off. Then it'll pan back to the guy looking through binoculars. And it does that for like, I know like in reality, it probably wasn't that long, but it was long enough for you to just be like, what am I watching? Like it was obviously filler. Yeah, unfortunately, this movie kind of fell into the same issue I had with, like, the previous movies, is that once you get to the monster rampaging stuff, where it's just the military trying, like, futurely to stop the monster, I just kind of zone out at that point, because it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, that's why I enjoy, I, I enjoy monster-on-monster fights more than just monster versus JSDF or, you know, whatever military it is that they're fighting against, because it's just more of the same. Like, and, it, uh, it, it's not bad for, like, the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of it. But when you stretch it into, like, 25 minutes of military just throwing everything they have 
repeatedly over and over again, it gets boring. Yeah, but I mean, apart from that, not much really happens here except for um, they had this uh, Royal Navy ship that they were like, oh, we'll, we'll be able to kill this monster, no doubt. And then it sinks the ship. Yeah. Because they, because they, uh, I forgot who it was. I think one of the scientists was like, hey, maybe we should just release the young one. They're like, no, no, no. We'll kill it. Don't worry about it. Like, it's not even a thought in anyone else's mind. Like, ah, we're just going to kill the, the big one. It'll be no problem. Keep and the circus going. Is it after that, like, uh, he comes back and Sam is drunk and he's like trying to open the gates because they know by that point it's headed straight for London. Yeah. Yeah. And no, uh, they have to stop him. Knocks him out. Knocks him out because this movie has no moral compass. The only good person in the entire movie is the kid. That's it. And no women characters at all. Very odd. Yeah. Very None odd. But, whatsoever. Period. But like our. Our our great heroes here, Sam and and uh, Ryan, are just terrible people. Like, they're they're not good the least. I think, what one of them held the kid hostage. Like as soon as they found him, like pinned him against the wall. I'm like, what the hell, dude? It's like a ten year old like little boy. Like, what are you doing? But yeah, like he knocks him out and they take him yeah. back and put him in bed. And then I think after that is when does the monster hit London? After that, I believe. Yeah. The, the big one, which is, like, anytime you read about it or anything, I think they call it Ogre. Yeah, because the, the boy is like, oh, he's Ogre, the, the sea spirit. Which, I, I don't know. But anyway, the, the big yeah. one makes landfall. And I've got to say, if this movie did one thing right, it's the destruction scenes are really good. They are. The people panic. They go nuts. They're not just like running, you know, out in like a single file line. Like there are people trampling each other. There's like, like I said, about probably 10 or 12 shots just of people getting crushed by rocks. And there's a reporter that just randomly shows up. He's just kind of randomly tacked on there that just. I don't know what it is about these movies, like having to have a reporter spoon feed you what's going on as if you can't tell what the fuck is going on. Like if your movie is that lacking in dialogue and plot that you have to have like a narrator or reporter come and explain it to you, then just rewrite the script. But like he just comes in and he's like, and he's an American reporter too. And he's like, oh my God, the monster is, is, is making landfall now. There's a lot of smoke, and that just goes on for a couple of minutes. But, like, the destruction scenes are at least good. Yeah, Yeah, you know, I I will say that it was fun watching him just, you know, completely destroy the town. Especially when he was destroying, like, the monuments and Big Ben and all that. I have to say that was pretty entertaining, not going to lie. And you've been to England, too, so you've seen most of that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just added on to the uh, the appeal of seeing this stuff. It's like, hey, I know that. Oh, and now it's destroyed. Well, I'm glad that worked then because uh, apparently this movie was originally supposed to take place in Japan as like an homage to Godzilla. And then it was supposed to take place in like Australia, I believe. But then the people, the people thought... Um, nobody's going to give a shit if it's in Australia because they're going to want to see like the landmarks and stuff of somewhere get destroyed. 
And so that's when they, they settled for it to be in the British Isles. The panic scenes are great. You know, like, I, I don't know how many extras they cobbled together for these shots, but it, it's done really well. Along with the military action, you know, you get kind of tired of, of seeing it over and over again. But, like, they call in the military, and their first train of thought when the monster gets there is, let's pump the, the river full of gas and just light it on fire. So they just go pull these like fuel tankers up beside the river and just fill it full of gasoline and light it on fire. And then it sets those like hood kids, those like, uh, those like, um, hooligans. Yeah. Like the guys that are in leather jackets and some, stuff. That some beatniks. Yeah. <laughs> it just sets them all on fire because they're like, standing right there. Yeah. Like they weren't doing anything. They were just there. I just thought that was funny. Like, it didn't really add anything to it. I just thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, but eventually, the you just watch the monster go, coming through uh, the city of London, and you see it, you know, destroy all these different monuments. It destroys Big Ben, London Bridge, just, you know, obliterates everything on its way there because it's looking for its offspring. And their last line of defense is they're they're gonna put up this giant electric fence around Gorgo's enclosure and kill it as it comes to try to get its get its baby and that doesn't work either. But this movie, you know, I, I thought it was kind of strange how it just kinda ended like that. There was no like really I don't want to say there was no climax to this film because that was pretty well when uh the the monster first came to to London, but like it just kind of ends. There's not really a big like battle or anything. There's no just the build up to it really. The the monster just comes and gets its baby and leaves. Yeah, leaves. as soon as they as soon as they get the baby, they're just like, up. Oh, oh, okay, goodbye then. Yeah, and then Sean's like, oh, they're finally going back home. And I'm like, I, I yeah, at what cost? Yeah, you know, just London is completely destroyed, but, you know, uh, the, the monster got a happy ending. Yeah. Also, and we could have avoided the entire thing had we just released it earlier. Also, there's a reason for that, because uh, I think it was Eugene Laurie's daughter or niece or something was upset at the end of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms because the monster died. So he made sure that the monster didn't die in this one. <laughs> Overall, it was a pretty solid movie. You know, I, I, I can't say that I would just watch it, you know, like every day or anything like that. But I, I certainly have a newfound appreciation for it. It's definitely better than Godzilla Raids again. I'll give her that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure paint drying is better than that movie. You're not wrong. I'll give you that. But this was honestly a really good one. I was really surprised because there's very, very few um Western monster movies that use a suit, you know, you suit Masons made in a suit to portray a giant monster. A lot of them used um, stop motion or, or, you know, in the beginning, and then they kind of phased out because Godzilla and company kind of came to America, and that kind of filled that whole niche. So you really don't see many American or Western giant monster movies in the 60s. Um, so th this was surprising, and it has a good – well – it has good production overall, but there are definitely seams in the cracks. 
Um, most notably in the first half of the movie for me, the the blue screen or uh, I, I don't think it's blue screen exactly, but the, the screen effects to put the actors uh, on location looks rough. Like the outlines is very easy to tell that they're not actually there. I think it was like a black felt screen or something that, or, that they used. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, when you mean the like went on the little dinghy boat and then yes. out. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's Super noticeable. Cool. Super noticeable. We already harped on this on the uh, the stock footage. You know enough. It it's rough. It's there. It is what it is. Um, and I guess my my only other like big issue with this one was the uh the story. The story is frankly just kind of lacking. It's not not necessarily a bad thing per se, but there's not much going on. They they find a monster, capture it, bring it home. Mommy comes home, takes the monster, and that's it. Resolution. Thousands of people dead. Thousands of people dead, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna sue the hell out of uh, Dork there. Maybe maybe it's just Dork that'll take the uh, the legal fall for cool. that. And not Sam. Not Sam and uh, uh, yeah. what's his name? Joe. Sam and Joe. Sam and Joe are intrepid heroes who have no moral compass at all. You know, I actually, I actually really like them because there's such a departure from the usual protagonists of these movies. It's like all they care about is money, and it, I don't know what it is about them, but like that's very endearing to me. <laughs> it, it's really funny. Like, it, I mean, if you're trying to take it seriously, forget it. But otherwise, it's it is really funny that these people are just kind of terrible. And I mean, like I said earlier, they, they held Sean hostage. Um, they they sell the monster off the the second they can. Like, oh, we'll make money on this one. Like, they do not care. And I, I I wouldn't go as far as to say that there was character development quotation mark quotation mark, but like at the that there is basically none. They think about themselves the whole time. He knocks his best friend out. They treat this kid like shit. Probably you know stick him in the they stick him in like the bottom bunk of this camper and like I guess like probably feed him like beanie weenies and leftovers or. Whatever he eats bean toast because they're in like England. Oh yeah, oh my god. And 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 the trail, the guy's drunk and smoking, and the kid's still in the back trying to sleep. And then he's just like, yeah, it's the sixties, but like, damn, dude, come on. And yeah. He can't even crack open a window. It's that little tiny like trailer, you know, in the yeah, parking Sean, lot. Sean, I brought you some. Uh, what is something they eat in England? Some like. Good old, uh, uh, like savory jello with like hunks of ham in it and shit. Here you go, go, go run the streets or whatever. Like, I don't even know why they're even like put in charge of Sean, or I guess just like nobody cares that this kid is just like here, right? Yeah, because the, the guy he was staying with, I guess, didn't give a shit. Because like it, when it shows back on Narna Island, he's just like doing his science experiments or whatever. Yeah, he's like. I, I couldn't care less. He's like, oh, whatever, more treasure for me. And that whole thing, too, does he have the whole island, like, under his thumb? I, I, well, guess. I guess. I guess. I have no idea. That's not really elaborated on yeah. a lot. But, I mean, other than that, like, uh, so I think you've pretty much given mostly most of your overall um, – opinion on the film zach but like if you if you had to to rate it 
And if, of course, if you have anything else to add, go go ahead. But like, what would you give this movie a rating? I guess on any of the last thoughts first, I I think the suit was actually pretty well done. Um, it's a little the, the design overall is a bit basic. It, it's just like a giant giant dinosaur esque thing, but I think it still looked good. Um, overall, I got I got to give this probably. Are we doing halves? We're doing halves in these in these ratings. We've never sure. done like a half point. I'm, I don't think so, but I'm. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Okay, because I'd probably give this like a six point five, right? I think it's pretty entertaining. I think the action is pretty good. The acting eh, is all right overall. I think our, our two main cast characters there. I think they do a pretty good job carrying it. But the story, I think, is very weak. There's not much to go off of in that aspect. And the writing is is kind of whatever. Um, but there's still there's still entertainment to be had, and the fact that it's only like an hour long makes it pretty easy to sit through. Although the first fifteen to twenty ish minutes or so is kind of a slog. It's a bit rough to watch because just nothing happens. I guess that that's my uh, final thoughts. Oh, and also this was featured on Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand, which is one of my favorite shows. I haven't seen that episode actually. I need to watch it. Um, that's a that's a funny. It's a funny show. They do a good job there. So it was only ever aired twice because the license expired. Yep, they were aired. It was aired twice on the same day. Oh, somehow. <laughs> oh wow. Somehow okay. that episode is also on YouTube. So you could do a back to back of watching the movie and then watching them riff it. And there's also a um a uh, little documentary, a little making of documentary you can check out. It's only about a half hour if you are just starving for more Gorgo after See, you get done with this. So yeah, you guys go watch the movie, listen to our podcast, then watch the, the MST3K episode, and then see how they all made it. And look at that, it's like a four-hour Gorgothon. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if this movie's that good or not, but you know, if you if you wanted to... You know, get, at least, at least it's it's not so obscure that there's nothing else to go along with it, like a lot of the shit. Uh, but just kind of piggybacking off of what Zach said, as, as far as the things that I do like about this film, the pseudimation's great. You know, it's a little uh, a little fumbly, you know, but I mean, it's just the, the art all in itself just kind of is. Uh, and while I do think that, yeah, the Gorgo design is just a bit basic, it doesn't really have a whole lot to it i do like it i really enjoy the way this suit looks i don't think i'm no they would have had to have constructed a second suit to have the monsters side by side i'm sure that was actually one question i had is how how the hell did they do that because there's no way because when they're walking out to sea there's no way that's like two people i don't know i'm gonna have to watch the little making of thing i guess i, I think didn't they- get to I didn't get to finish all of it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think they shot it twice. I think that's what they had to do. Probably, because like it wasn't so out of the realm of possibility for them to lift footage and trim it and put it on something else, because that, that's kind of what the purpose of the... Back then, it wasn't a green screen. It was a blue screen, but same difference. Just minus the digital technology aspect of it that we have now. But yeah... um, uh, I enjoyed the monster design. I enjoyed the suit. Uh, the plot's there. You know, it's it's not too just, you know, incredibly bland or annoying. You know, it's it's easy enough to follow. It's not something that's going to confuse you. 
And like I said, the acting's okay. It's pretty decent. Overall, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. It's not too long. It's not too short. Uh, great destruction scenes in this. Uh, pretty decently high production quality, you know, for a, for a film of this caliber. You know, I definitely feel like it deserves a little more recognition for that at least because, like, you can probably walk up to anybody, you know, and say, hey, do you know Godzilla? And they'll go, oh, yeah. But if you say, oh, well, you know Gorgo, they're going to go, no, what the fuck is that? You know, uh, so, you know, in that aspect, it's pretty good. Things I don't like about it, the the lack of plot, I think, it could have been done just a little better. Um you know, you always kind of want that action plot balance that it just, it kind of ruins a lot of movies because, you know, there are those people out there that, that just want the monster action. They don't give a crap about the plot. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this one comes closer to balancing, balancing that ratio than, um, other films. Uh, and there is not really any character development. You know, you have your just kind of sleazy scumbag treasure hunters. And, you know, they, by the end of it, I doubt would probably ever do that again. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't really call that character development. Uh, you know, they, uh, is it Sam or Joe? One of them, they do go rescue Sean. When he gets no, on was, the, uh, when he gets was, on the thing. That was and, Ryan. Was it Ryan? Okay. Uh, yeah, he does go rescue the boy, you know, I guess that's kind of character development in a way. The stock footage is pretty atrocious, um, as well as some of the, the, toward the end of this, they start reusing shots, I'm guessing, uh. It just they started kind of running out of money or something is what it seems like, and they just wanted to kind of hurry up and get this thing wrapped up. Uh, but overall, I don't think it's a bad movie. I I, pro- I would probably give it a six. I'd probably give it a solid six. Uh, like I said, it's not something that I would go out of my way to you know go find and get or anything like that. I probably I for damn sure wouldn't watch it on a day to day basis. But you know, it's it's a good movie. You know, it's and it's something different. If you want to see a monster movie, but you don't want to see, you know, Godzilla or Ultraman or Gamera or something, you want something a little different. Let's just be honest here. This really doesn't tread a lot of original ground besides maybe the twist that, you know, oh, it's actually an infant and here comes the mother kind of twist. That was about it. Like, let, let's, it, it's really just not that completely original, right? We can all agree on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, think about it, too. The movie starts on an island where they have, like, a a legend about the monster. Godzilla starts on an island where they have a legend about the monster. Like, the similarities are there. But, unlike Raids Again, which just kind of failed spectacularly in grabbing my attention when it retreaded old ground, this actually kind of had me locked into it because it just... It was different enough for me to actually be engaged. Uh, I enjoyed our two protagonists, mostly because they're both pieces of shit. That that was honestly kind of funny to me. <laughs> Don't know what it was about that that I loved. Um, yeah, the, the uh, 
we used to stock footage really got to me. I did not like that. The monster design was it, it was okay. And then of course the whole military versus the um monster section dragged on for way longer than it should have been. Mostly because of the reuse of stock footage. I mean, they must have shot how many missiles at that damn monster? In the same shot. It was the same shot of the monster getting hit by two missiles. Like, I don't know. I really don't. That and just, while I did enjoy the the people getting crushed by rocks, like, I just thought that was interesting. There's so many people crushed by rocks over and over and over again. Yeah, so, overall... It's not high, very original. If you watch the original Godzilla, you've, you've probably already seen this. But, I mean, it's a nice change in setting. We're in London now. And overall, it's a nice little, like, watch it if you're actually interested in giant monster movies. But you'll probably never watch it again. But at least you'll walk away from this saying it was okay. Unlike Raids Again, where you will walk away and say, man, that kind of fucking sucked. And if you watch this uh, on YouTube, you didn't pay for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, overall, I'm probably leaning along with you guys where it's an average, like, 6, 6.5 out of 10. It's perfectly average, but at least it's enjoyable. Yeah. One one little funny note. I just found out here that uh, the actor who plays Captain Joe Ryan there was uh, later in life a uh, animals rights activist. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> Ironic. It was oh because God. of this. You don't know. Yeah. Um, if you're just looking for something, uh, you know, that's a little different. You know, you, you don't just want to watch Godzilla over and over and over again. Then, you know, try this out. It's, it's not too terribly bad. Um. I know there was a, I don't really know anything about it, but I know there was a comic book series uh, after, after this. I don't know how long it ran or anything, but um, if you'd be interested in, in hearing us talk about that at some point, let us know. Give us some sort of interaction on our socials. We are on Instagram, by the way. Uh, if there's something you have a, a suggestion to us about or whatever, you can uh, inbox our official Instagram page uh, at StompAroundPod on Instagram. Uh, I think that's about apart from it being on Mystery Science Theater, and there's a co- there's I think maybe like one or two comic book series that were centered around this afterward. That's that's about it. Not really too many strings attached to this movie outside of. Uh, Outside of that. Yeah, not really. Yeah. But, uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, move forward with the show of continuity with our first standalone uh, film, the show of continuity that is not a Godzilla movie. So up next, we're going to be taking a look at Rodan. Personally, I'm, I'm kind of excited for it because I think that's one of the while I, I'm not a huge fan of Rodan himself, I think that is probably one of the better Showa films. Definitely. So I'm excited to see where that leads. Um, also got a lot uh, being shoved on our plate. Singular Points coming out pretty soon. Uh, SSS, S, 
Dinazen on. S S S S Dinazen on. Yeah, we get the right amount of S's in there. Still, Aaron. It's a quick report there. Still good. Um, episode five came out this week. I'm liking it. Uh, eventually, we will get around to. I don't know. Should we do OG Gridman first, then SSSS Gridman? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, probably that that sort of order. Um, a lot of callbacks to that original show in the anime, so knowing it kind of helps. Well, you'll catch on to them anyway. It's yeah. not necessarily something you have to, but we'll do that at some point. That way we can uh, cover uh, Dinozen on. Uh, and, of course, we also just got a few months ago, well, actually, I think a few weeks ago, more like it, uh, Kingdom Kong and uh, Godzilla Dominion. That actually did, does answer a lot of my questions that I had about Skull, uh, GVK, excuse me, not Skull Island. Uh, that kind of helps fill in the, the gaps a little bit um, as, as far as the plot goes. And I haven't read Dominion yet, but as soon as I get get a copy of that, I'll pass my copies around and we'll, we'll do an episode on those. Oh, sweet. Anyway, besides that, um, I think that's about it for today. So, uh, we'll see you guys again next time when we're talking about Rodan. Mm-hmm. Zach, do you have a copy of that? Because I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I got one laying around. Okay, we'll just have to probably like get together or something one day and we'll all just watch it together. There you go. We'll play it by ear. Yeah. But anyway... We'll see you again next time when we talk about Rodan.